I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I am Matt Williamson. I am back at you once again as we are doing five days a week. And here's a story, folks, is as usual, I was uh, scanning the Internet. I go to about 10 to 12 sites every day, all football stuff and pick the best stuff out there. Read it, learn, you know, just like everybody else. And the last two days on ESPN.com, my former employer, I worked for them for 10 years. If you don't if you don't recall, it was a while ago. Um, Bill Barnwell, who does excellent work, he's a football outsider's background analytics type guy, but also sees the game really well just in general. I, I really enjoy his work, learn a lot from him in general as well. But anyway, the last two days, he picked five teams that are going to have a worse record this year than last year and five teams that are going to have a better record than last year. So I stole that idea and... On my regular podcast, Peacock and Williamson, it's on the Locked On Network. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. If not, please go check it out. Download it. We come at you every day as well. Um, What we did on Peacock and Williamson was I decided we're going to do every division and we're going to pick one team that's going to win more games than last year, one team that's going to win fewer games than last year. So go check that out if you're interested. But anyway... Why I bring up Barnwell is one of the teams he predicted that would lose more games than they did a year ago was your Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I don't think that's crazy talk by any stretch, nor am I going to fight them too much on it. If you don't recall, the Steelers were 9-7-1. and one. So if they go 9-8 and eight or worse... Bill's right, you know, so they really have to get to 10 wins for him to be wrong. Is this a 10-7 and type of team or better? I'll let you decide. But what I thought was really interesting, and as often is with Barnwell stuff or football outsiders or metrics in general, there's, there's some indicators that history shows makes it hard to, you know, repeat. You know, sometimes there's some luck in the NFL. You guys might not think that way, but it's a 17 games. I mean, it's such a small sample size that if by chance your opponent misses a ton of field goals this year, it's not because your your field goal block team is the best ever. 
you might just get lucky or you, you barely recover any fumbles this year over 17 games. It's, those things come back to the mean, as do a lot of these things I'm going to cite here, where baseball, if you have a 17-game stretch where things don't go your way, okay, you're in a, quote, slump. You didn't have the worst year ever like they do in football if you have a bad luck for a while. You know, I think you understand what I'm saying here. So I pulled out a few things that Bill is referencing here in terms of why the Steelers are unlikely to be seven or nine, seven and one or better. So here we go. I mean, he prefaces by saying some very good things about the Steelers and coach Tomlin in particular. And of course cites, Mike Tomlin's 15-year run of avoiding a losing season. And even 2019, when this this team went 500 with a younger, worse version of Mason Rudolph than the one we know now and Devlin Duck Hodges. So everyone remembers that stuff. But here's some things about last year that are concerning, and history shows they often go back to the mean. Um, while they, you know, we, we know they had a winning record last year, but the Steelers were outscored by 55 points last year. You know, point differential, yards per play differential, usually tell a better story than record. But there's also an art to winning games you shouldn't. You know, we'll get to that too. So I'm a big believer in DVOA, which is just football outsiders method for Analyzing teams, power ranking teams, who's got the best DVOA, offense, defense, special teams. So last year, the Steelers were 23rd in overall team DVOA out of 32. 2020, they were eighth, you know, so they were going backwards. Um, you know, here's also something he mentions is they're usually dominant defense facing the toughest slate of opposing offenses in the, in the league and getting little help from their offense, ranked 22nd in points allowed. Well, I think that's really interesting that all metrics, basically, and I knew this, I haven't mentioned to you before, the Steelers faced the toughest slate of offenses in the league last year. Like, that's going to get easier, folks. So, yes, they allowed the 22nd most points, but they were only 14th defensively in DVOA. So they were middle of the road or better in defense. Um, so I think that's a, a strike in their favor is I think they'll get more production, you know, more from their defense because the offense will help them and they'll face easier offenses than they did last year when they faced the hardest group in the league. Um, another thing that doesn't look so good for the Steelers is one score games is a big indicator. You know, so many games in the league come down to one score, seven points either side a high percentage, that most of them over the course of a long sample size break up into about 50-50. You know, if the Bears play 100 one-score games over the course of 10 years, they're probably going to be around 500. You know, so when you have a great record in one-score games or a really bad record in one-score games, history shows you're going to get closer to the average the next season. Well, last year, in one-score games, the Steelers were 7-1-1. One, and one. You know, really hard to sustain that. You know, uh, beating Buffalo in week one, overtime win over Seattle, 
beating Cleveland in Cleveland, um, beating the Bears by two points, tying the Lions, uh, one-point win over the Ravens when they were really banged up. Um, they beat the Titans by six, and a three-point win in overtime over a Tyler Huntley-led Ravens team. So, you know, uh, that you only play who's in front of you. But if you include the postseason loss, you know, and, which is not pretty against Kansas City, obviously, the Steelers were 2-7 and seven against teams that would eventually finish with a winning record. And those games, those seven games, when the Steelers faced an opponent that finished the season with a winning record, on average, the Steelers lost by 11 points per game. I mean, so they got beat bad by the good teams. But they survived by going 7-1-1 one, and one against all the sub-500 teams. Well, I get that. And folks, they're going to play good teams and bad teams this year too, and they're going to lose some good teams and they're going to beat some bad teams. Okay, you know. and But the teams that were sub-500 that the Steelers got seven and a half wins against, they only won those games by an average of 2.9 points per game where they lost to the winning teams by an average of 11 points per game. Want to go backwards just for a second, though, because I talked about those one-score game situations where the Steelers were 7-1-1 one, and one last year. And as I told you, history shows it's unlikely to keep up. However, if we look at the last decade, 15 years or so, who are the teams, coaches, quarterbacks, that are best in one-score games. New England, Pittsburgh, Seattle. Now, I think Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, and especially Bill Belichick are all going to end up in the Hall of Fame, and as are Ben, Brady, and Wilson. Now, Brady's not New England. Wilson's not. None of those team quarterbacks are with their team. But I also think that despite what the numbers tell you, there's an art to winning one-score games. And I trust Tomlin, Belichick, Carroll, Sean Payton, Harbaugh, et cetera, et cetera, to do that above the mean, especially with Ben, you know, I mean, in his prime. So let's get to some Ben stuff here in a minute to wrap. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
Now, there's two arguments with a new quarterback situation is there's and Bill talks about this well. He says the offense was hopelessly limited by the quarterback. I agree with that. However, if you look at Ben last year, far and away his best football came very late in games. Fourth quarter, bringing teams back. Was it pretty? No. But it was much better than the first quarter, the first half. I mean, I should have this in front of me, but the Steelers consistently losing at the half. And did I think Ben was a good player last year? No. I am in the offense was hopelessly limited by the quarterback state of, state, you know, side here. But his experience and ability to read defenses, understand where pressure's coming from, was still an advanced level. And kind of like the one score game thing, I think there I think clutch is real. And that's one of my problems with analytics. Ben could still figure out how to win games at this level. You know, so take that how you will. You know, I think the quarterback play down by down will be much better this year, even if it's picket. But will they know how to win games when it matters most? two-minute situations, situational football, again, understanding where blitzes are coming from, how to avoid some of the weaknesses of the offensive line. So Barnwell also references the defense, which is really interesting to me, and we talked a little bit about this, but here's one of my issues with him is he says, basically, what are the chances the Steelers will get more out of Minka, but especially Watt and Hayward. And he references that Watt and Hayward combined for 32 and a half sacks and 56 knockdowns. Now, if you just look at through an analytic lens, they might not get more out of those guys or statistically. But Cam is not going to be minus a Lualu into it. You know, I think he's going to be fresher. I think he's going to be able to do more or less dirty work and more flash splash than he has in the past. If I even hesitate to bring this up, but pro football focus didn't have great grades on Minka last year, which I think is laughable. So I think you'll get great production out of Minka, whether that's what he's referencing here with Minka or not. And nothing that I've seen from TJ Watt indicates that he's going backwards and referencing what I said before if the defense is off the field a little more, the offense can get a couple more first downs. I think they're going to be much better. And oh, by the way, they don't face the hardest group of offenses in the league again this year. Now, the Ravens and Bengals and Bills and some of these teams on their schedule aren't a walk in the park. But I doubt when it's all said and done and the season's over that the Steelers play the hardest group of offenses yet again. So two other things I want to talk about is, and again, I'm not saying they're going to get to 10 wins. I'm just kind of playing both sides here. You guys can decide how you want. I'm just giving you some information. If this season really goes wrong, and I'm not going to say injuries because every team can say that. Like, yeah, if the if the Chiefs lose Chris Jones and Mahomes and Kelsey, they probably won't win many games. You know, and that kind of happened to the Ravens last year. Obviously that can derail any season. Now, that's luck of the draw, bad luck, good luck, whatever. Um, but there is a component to this football team, and that's the offensive line, that 
I fear that when the season's over, I'm going to have conversations with you guys like, boy, their skill positions were great. You watch the tape, they're open, but the quarterback's getting sacked or there's no holes to run through. I love the skill position players or I don't have a good feel for Trubisky Pickett or whoever's plays quarterback over the course of 17 games because they weren't giving a, given a chance by the offensive line to show what they can do, good, bad, ugly. So offensive line plays super important, and that could derail the whole season. You know, it could get to the point where you can't get first downs, the defense is on the field all the time, and you're getting run on, and late in the season they look tired and beat up, and maybe an extra injury occurs. So I get that, you know, I mean, I, and truthfully, I would probably lean towards the Steelers will win less than nine and a half games, you know, but I don't feel super strong about it. And again, I'm just kind of throwing some some things out here. And the last couple nuggets I want to give you are Vegas, who knows a thing or two, you know, the those giant palaces in the desert out West weren't built because they don't know how to handicap games. Vegas has the Steelers over under at 7.5, which I don't think is crazy. I would probably go over. I think this team wins eight, nine, maybe gets a bounce, gets 10, maybe. But if things go terribly wrong, and we've talked about some of this stuff, you know, seven or lower is not crazy. And they they won nine and a half last year. So again, Bill is picking a team whose Vegas is over under total is two full games less than what they won last year. Also, Another reference, someone else here, Warren Sharp, who I very much believe in, is another analytics guy. I love the way he does strength of schedule. And what he does for strength of schedule, speaking of Vegas, is he takes all those over-under win totals, the Steelers account for 7.5, and figures out, according to Vegas, looking at all your opponents, who has the toughest schedule in the league, who has the easiest schedule in the league. Well, only the Chiefs, Rams, and Raiders have a tougher schedule than what the Steelers have on their slate, you know, this year. So it's going to be difficult. And you've probably looked at their schedule and it's not, there's not many gimmies there. I mean, it used to be, oh, you could probably good for four wins against the Browns and Bengals back in the day. You know, no, I mean, there's a couple on the, on there that they're definitely gonna be favored in, but not all. And then here's another one that I'm going to reference all the time is yards per play and yards per play differential. Because I really think when you break this game down to a play-by-play basis, it really tells you who's good and who isn't. So the Steelers only averaged four-point yards per play on offense. Every time they snapped the ball, they got 4.8 yards. Now, that sounds great. You know, if you hand the ball to uh, Najee Harris and he gets 4.8 yards every time he touches the ball, we're talking about, you know, this guy's one of the best backs in the league. But 4.8 yards for an offense overall was very low. It was near the bottom of the league. You probably don't aren't going to get blown away by that, that, oh, the Steelers' offense wasn't great last year? No, it was very, very far from great. I expect that number to increase from 4.8 yards. But, you know, for example, the Giants were at 4.7. Houston was at 4.7. Like, that was near the bottom of the league. The defense was mediocre. They allowed 5.5 yards per play which is about league average. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, if the Steelers offense could get to 5.5 yards per play, you'd be in good shape. So when you combine those, though, the Steelers yards per play differential, and to me, this is even more important than point differential, which wasn't favorable to the Steelers, was minus 0.7 yards. So in a nutshell, 
every time a ball was snapped in the steel, in a Steeler football game last year, they went backwards 0.7 yards. That was tied with Detroit. That was worse than Jacksonville, worse than Washington, worse than the Giants. And Baltimore was also 0.6 minus 0.6. And the end of their season was a disaster. So the Steelers' yards per play differential was only better than the Jets, who were negative 0.9, and Houston, who was negative 1.2, which is remarkably bad. So the Steelers and Lions, who are coming to town here in a couple days, tied for third worst in yards per play differential. That's not a great indicator of where they're at. But you make decisions for your own. You know, I thought it was a really good conversation. There's some points on both sides of that. Um, and that's a wrap. I'll be back tomorrow. See you.